This is Pastor Chad. Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We are honored that you have joined us today. You can stay up to date with us at BethesdaChurch.tv or look us up on Facebook or Instagram. Now, let's jump in to today's message. Now, would you stand up to your feet and give a huge round of applause for my friend, Pastor Scotty. Amen. What's up, Bethesda? You guys seem excited tonight. Let's give the Lord a really good hand clap of praise tonight. Come on. Give him the best shout you've got tonight. Woo! All right. What an honor to be with you tonight. Such an honor. I have to give honor, first of all, of course, to Jesus. And uh, tonight I have to give honor, though, to my brothers, my sister-in-law, my sister. She's been in the family, my heaven, so long now. She's just sister. So, and uh, also to the three children, amen. And uh, thankful my mom and dad's here tonight on the front row. Yeah, yeah. Some of the best folks I know. You know, when you can talk good about your family because you really know them, that's a good thing. And we are blessed, definitely, and Chad and I are extremely blessed to have parents like we've had, and uh, just to see the ministry and see Jesus in their life. They let us live, just like you should let kids live, but also they would they would bring us in if they needed to. But we were so thankful tonight, but so good to be with you all. The last time I was on this stage, we wasn't coming to church. I came and done an online service. You know, and I'm telling you, the secret is behind that is I was doing all this running and messed my foot up, had to have it broken in two places, and I was just starting to walk good. And, man, I barely was moving up here trying to keep it together so it didn't look like I was limping. And But I was just pushing through, man, pushing through. And I, I'm just thankful to be here tonight. But I, I want to preach to you uh, about the spirit of frustration. Does anybody know what frustration is tonight? I have to say, this is probably one of the most grueling, frustrating seasons I've seen people go through. So I really, I believe God's got a word for us tonight, and I believe there's going to be breakthrough in this altar service tonight. I'm going to go ahead and decree now, there will be in a release of the Spirit, and breakthrough and frustration will be gone when we get to the end of this thing tonight, all right? This thing's been cooking in me for a few days. So I'm ready I'm ready to roll. I know you guys are. But let's read this scripture tonight out Ezra chapter 4. And before we do that, I want to give this worship team an awesome, awesome. Listen, dude, you're doing a great job. I mean, flowing like that, didn't miss a beat. I'm watching. Uh, these guys are doing good. They're doing good tonight. And I'm thankful for them. But let's look at the book of Ezra chapter 4, starting verse number 1. I've got five verses for you tonight. It says this, and now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the descendants of the captivity were building the temple of the Lord God of Israel, they came to Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we seek your God as you do. And we have sacrificed to him since the day as Esarhaddon, king of Assyria, who brought us here. But Zerubbabel and Yeshua 
And the rest of the heads of the father's houses of Israel said to them, You may do nothing with us to build a house for our God, but we alone will build to the Lord God of Israel as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land tried to discourage the people of Judah. They troubled them in building. And here it goes. And hired counselors against them to frustrate their purpose. All the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Let's bow our heads. Let's pray. Father, God, I ask you to just bless this moment. God, let every word I speak, God, be from your throne. God, I'm thankful for the atmosphere that's already here of your presence and your anointing. God, I believe tonight those that's watching online and those that are here in person, God, wherever they may be watching from, even if it's later, that you have destined for them, God, to receive this word. God, that no longer will they live in frustrating times, but God, that they will live in times of peace that goes beyond all understanding of the Holy Spirit, that this thing will release into their life and breakthrough would come. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord another hand clap of praise. One of the most predominant spirits in our land in this moment is what I would call a spirit of frustration. And this is something that I am seeing so much in families and in marriages, in pastoral homes. Uh, I have pastors that will call me, and, and I'll meet with them, and they are just frustrated. I'm seeing marriages are ending over frustration. Parents not knowing how to parent over frustration. The time that we're living in, and I only can describe it as this, is that it is a lot of weight that people are carrying. Whether it's frontline workers or whether it is in the ministry of the church or whether it is in the home or from the school or through your children or through some type of illness, I've not seen a time ever where there has been frustration like we're seeing now. Frustration, what is it? I mean, what, what is this thing called frustration? That We can look in the dictionary, and it describes it as this deep, chronic sense of state of insecurity or a dissatisfaction arising from unresolved problems or unfulfilled needs. Many times the problem is, is that frustration is setting in in such a way because we cannot fix the situation. I don't know about you, but I'm a fixer. And guys, I don't know how you feel about this, but you know when, when, when your wife, your better half, starts telling you some things. You're like, I'll fix that. But they look at you and they tell you, I don't want you to fix it. I just want you to hear me. You know what I'm talking about. You get at least that once a month, right, guys? And they just want you to hear them. But you're frustrated because, well, I, I thought you was telling me because you want me to fix it. But so many things are happening this day and time. It's just like, it's just not a quick fix. It's just not going away. It's, a, it's so much dissatisfaction and a, a chronic state of insecurity. In our text today, the weapon of frustration was used against this person, Zerubbabel, and his team as they begin to build the house of God in Jerusalem. And the devil is trying to tear down the process of our life slowly through justice 
this thing called frustration. And he was trying to discourage the people of God. In this time, the enemy was to just get them to quit building. I mean, they was building to bring the house of God back so they could have the glory of God and experience the presence of God in their life. So they was going after this fulfillment of what they have heard the temple of God could be like. The people of God had been in bondage for many years, and they had just came out of exile, and they was delivered out of it. So they're like, if we're going to have the presence of God again, then we must build a temple. And, of course, the enemy does not like any time we begin to connect with the Holy Spirit. And once we begin to connect with the Holy Spirit, we know that it's a game changer. So frustration comes to keep you from coming the first Wednesday or Sunday service or times in your daily devotion of prayer that the enemy would love for you just to to adore your own frustration or pay more attention to your frustration than giving your attention unto God. See, Zerubbabel actually means born in Babylon or scattered to Babylon. And he, he was one of the first from the exile, from the Babylonian exile to come out. And he was born in exile. But when he came out, he was appointed governor over the land, which was to, to oversee a freshly built temple to host the presence of God. See, when you get freedom in your life and you go after the presence of God, you better believe the enemy is going to try to bring frustration to you. See, one of the reasons why I believe that the times that we are living in are so frustrating is that God's about to heal our land like we've never seen. Go ahead. Don't, yeah, it's... See, when the Bible declares, and, and we read it in Second Chronicles, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves, and they will pray. He said, but he's talking about seeking him, and he said, turn from their wicked ways. He's talking about the people of God. And it's not talking about that we're actually doing wicked things. That word wicked just means that we need to turn our focus from the world, do a 180, and turn our focus back unto God. Tonight you may be frustrated, but it's time to begin to look unto God, seek his face. He said you will hear from heaven and he would heal our land. I know the enemy knows his time's coming. He's trying to work all that he can, but us as the people of God need to serve notice tonight. We know that he doesn't like us. We know that he's out to get us, but I tell you tonight, I come to declare war that my God is about to heal our land. Somebody give him praise. So you had all, y'all was going to preach me into a fit tonight doing that, but go ahead. We'll do it together, all right? You might have to pack me out of here if you keep that up. But Yeshua was there, and he was the high priest of the temple, which his name means salvation and deliverance. And he represents a type and shadow of us walking out our salvation and our deliverance. And how the enemy of our soul was to frustrate us in the midst of our walk. But then you had the people of Judah there. We know that their name, that name means praise. That the enemy was not only trying to frustrate uh, people's freedom out of exile 
And not only was he trying to frustrate people's walk, but he also said, you know, we're going to frustrate their praise. So we're going to frustrate Judah. And the enemy wants to frustrate that because he knows if he can take our praise away, then we're not going to see the glory of God to come. But in spite of how frustrated that my week has been, that my day has been, that my life or this season's been, or even the last year and a half has been, I'm not going to allow the enemy tonight or any other night, steal my praise. I'm serving notice tonight on that. I'm going to praise. I'm going to dance. You might not think it's pretty, but it's not for you. It's unto God tonight that my praise is going to him. Then you got Benjamin was there. These folks were there, which means right hand or the place of blessing. So not only is the enemy trying to frustrate our praise and frustrate our walk or frustrate our deliverance and salvation and, and what our experience is in God, but Benjamin been the place of blessing. See, the devil knows when you have found the sweet spot or found the place of blessing of, the, of, of where God has brought an assignment into your life and you're walking out that purpose. Now, I will tell you that in the last year and a half, one thing that I have put down in my journal that I prayed every day, and I go back to the beginning of this journal I've been writing in for some time, daily devotion, prayer time. First thing up there that I have on the list is God always let me know my position and my assignment because the devil would love for you to question where you are called, where you are purpose, and what you are anointed to do. Now, right there is a good time to shout. You're like, why would you say that? Why do you pray it every day? Because I'm telling you now, the enemy would love for you to question your anointing and question the gifts and talents and the place of blessing in your life. Because when God's called you to a place and he's anointed you to be there, that is your place of blessing. But the enemy wants to come in and frustrate the area of blessing in which you live. So we're speaking in scripture, the enemy wants to bring frustration. And, and, and we see not only that, but this went on for 30 years that this frustration was going on. So it was a long season as he's building the temple. In fact, the enemy hired counselors. You know, you know how bored you got to be to hire counselors? Just not counselors. I, I have my master's in counseling, all right? So I'm not saying that that's not boring, so don't you dare judge me. I'm not going to have that tonight, all right? But hired counselors just to go and frustrate them. You know how bored you got to be? You know what? I got some extra money here. I just want to hire you. I want you to go over there and make fun of them. I want you to go over there and steal their tools. I want you to go over there and just yell at them the whole time. Make them mad. Find out what makes them mad and keep doing it. You know how bored you got to be to do that? But that's exactly what the enemy does is that petty stuff. You know what I tell folks all the time? They say, what am I supposed to do when they say that? I said, don't you dare take the bait. Hey, listen, you're bigger than that. You're better than that. And tonight you don't need to take the bait that Satan is throwing out at you. And you need to realize he's just trying to frustrate your purpose. 
So these enemies were, they were Samaritans and they used the weapon of the spirit of frustration to sabotage the work of God. And the house of God, the temple of God was being built, but it was coming at the price of those individuals that I named earlier of a life wholly committed unto God. Give us another type and shadow that we are to pick up our cross and follow Jesus. I know that's just simple preaching, but tonight you have been looking to the left, you've been looking to the right and you're wondering why you're frustrated. And the whole time God's saying, if my people, which are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my faith, turn from their wicked ways. And he said, listen, I'm going to forgive their sin and heal their land. God wants to show up in your place of blessing. See, Zerubbabel, he denied his body and emotions, and he paid the price to see the glory of God. We have to pay the price for those things. How do we pay the price? We just lay down our life. You see, once you're saved, no longer is this body yours, according to the Scripture. That you've been bought with the precious blood of Jesus. That no longer are you your own. In other words, it's just not your body. But now it is now his body. Now we can't push it on the world because the world's the world, sin or sin. We should not be surprised. But to us that are saved, to us that have a relationship, to us that know the place of blessing, to us that have a praise, to us that have the, 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 the Holy Spirit living inside of us, we know that everything that we do with this body is to be a life laid down for the kingdom. Listen, I'm desperate for a move of God. I'm desperate for men and women to cry to God and, and just, just seek his face until he just shows up and begin to heal our land. Because when he does that, you're going to see the drugs not need rehab. You're going to see the prostitutes begin to give up that life and get a married life. You're going to find those that have done a life of swindling and a life of mischief go into living a life of blessing and purity before God. And it will happen in a moment. Frustration is one of those things we all deal with differently. We have ways of hiding frustration, and we are good at hiding our dissatisfaction or unresolved problems. And frustration is one of those things that have a deep, disappointing, irritating uh, problem that sits in your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. It's just weighing on the soul part of you, your mind, your will, and, your mo and it affects everything in your life. And though we have tried to make a change, it's not cease. Even though we're trying to cope with it, and we're finding other coping skills to deal with them. It doesn't take away the frustration. There's life that goes on like that. You know this thing called frustration tonight. It's the relational status that hasn't changed. It's the breakthrough that's never came. It's the bill that never goes away. It's the sickness that seems incurable. It's the wall that refuses to come down. It's the unsaved family member. It's the job. It's the hard work unrecognized. It's the ministry desire that goes unfulfilled. It's just so many things not been resolved in your life. It's a spirit, but when it's not recognized, now listen, this is a spirit, and when it's not recognized or handled, it can begin to be a process of destruction for your life. We handle frustration differently, but the problem can arise when we handle it in a way that's incorrect, when we constantly find other things to fill the gaps and not God. 
God simply just wants, he's a jealous God, just wants your attention, even in frustrating times. Have you ever had those sleepless nights because of frustration? Have you ever had those moments you didn't want to talk to nobody because of frustration? Bless God, and you wanted to delete everything on your phone because of frustration. I got a witness in the house tonight, right? We are going to discuss four entryways. I'm going to go quick with these, okay? I'll try. I promise I won't try to preach all night. Four things, and the first one's hope deferred. We've heard this. Four sources to frustration. Hope deferred, Proverbs 13, 12 says, Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but when the desire comes, it is a tree of life. Now, that word deferred means to delay. So when hope is delayed. Now, let's talk about hope for a second in our English language. If I ask you, hey, are you going to come over to my life group or connect group or small group tonight, right? If someone tells you that they hope so, they are giving you the very nicest way to say, I'm not coming. When they say, I, oh, I hope to be there, I'm like, I look at my wife, Kristen, hunt, mark them off. They're not coming. They said hope. See, in the English language, hope is like, you know, 10, 90, 50, 50, whatever. And every now and then, you'd someone, you know, they look inspiring. They look at you. You know, there's just 90% chance I'm going to be there. Hope, more than likely, there's that. I, I mean, they're not coming still to me. Because we have, we have killed this word called hope in the English language. But hope in the Hebrew and Greek, in the way God sees it, is fully expecting. No doubt whatsoever. So it's when you are fully expecting something and delay comes. That's hope deferred. And it says it makes our heart sick. Well, what do you mean it makes our heart sick? This is a picture of your seen future. You begin to look at your future and like it's not going to change. It's unresolved. How can I fix this? I've tried so many things. It's just not going to work. And hope deferred, making the heart sick, that sickness meaning anxiety or discouragement or depression. That's what it means is the sickness and the pain allows frustration in your life, which begins the process of sabotaging your purpose or destiny in God. But delay for the believer. See, delay for us, we need to really interpret this word delay. Been put off down the road. I can remember when I was younger, and I've used this before, is that my, I started preaching when I was 18, and, man, I wanted to take the whole world on. I wanted to preach right then. I didn't care who. I just wanted to see people saved. To me, it wasn't about, you know, all some of the stuff like you see big-time television. and I never had that thing in my mind, but always I just want to preach. And my dad would always say, you've got to be patient. So to me, it was hope deferred, and I'd have these sick moments of like, when's it going to happen? But there was those types of frustration because the dream of God would be so big in your life. But then there's those other things that you know needs to change or you need a breakthrough in your life. And I believe I'm speaking to some people when I say that tonight. But then it says about waiting on the Lord. See, delay for the believer is translated into waiting on God is what it is. It should never be used to murmur. It should never be used to complain. It should never be used to speak hate or doubt. But it should be used to speak life to the situation. 
Isaiah 40 and 29 says he gives power to the weak and to those who have no might, he increases strength. Now, what, what's that talking about? God promises us that in times that we are weak, that he'll give us divine enablement, which means God's grace is working for us. See, God's grace doesn't just save us, but God's grace is the grace that enables us to do things that when we're so weak, when we cannot do it ourselves, that it's the power of the Holy Spirit that begins to work through us so that when we are weak, he is made strong through our weakness. So we've got to take advantage of that promise and know that God's divine enablement, not just for salvation, but to serve God and live for God. And in the times that we are frustrated, that it's his grace that continues to carry us through. But now let's look at Isaiah 40 and 31, a very popular scripture. It says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Now, waiting on the Lord, according to Isaiah 40, is not the sense of idleness or doing nothing. See, we think waiting upon God is, well, I'm just going to sit here until something changes. See, if they would have done that while they was building the temple, they would have never laid another brick. Let's just sit here until they quit coming. We're going to sit here until they quit hiring. Until they quit hiring these crazy counselors to come out here and, and frustrate our purpose, let's just wait. They would have never built the temple. But in spite of what they was doing, their waiting on God was, is eventually I'm going to be praising so much that the devil's going to get the point that I'm not going to quit praising until my frustration is gone. Get that in your spirit tonight because wait there actually means to be twisted or bound with. It means to be busy. It means to be doing so, not just sitting, not just being idle, but this is when you should be serving the most. This was when you should be giving the most. This is when you should be praising the most. This is when you should be decreeing life in every situation. So I can just imagine, they're just how Judah's out there praising. Benjamin's like, this is our place of blessing. I'm going to lay another brick. My place of blessing. I know where I'm called. I know where I'm appointed. I'm going to lay another brick on this thing because I'm telling you, you can hire him all day long, devil, but the Bible says that if I decree a thing, that it will be established upon the earth. So I'm going to decree by his stripes I'm healed. I'm going to decree that I have peace that goes beyond all understanding. I'm going to decree that if God be for me, who can be against me? I'm going to decree greater is he that lives in me than he that lives in the world. I'm going to decree life over death. I'm going to speak light in the darkness. I'm going to speak to the lost, come forth and be saved. I want to say for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not going to quit. Listen, there's no quit in me. Sometimes you need to say it out loud to the devil so he can hear, there is no quit or giving up in me. Waiting, meaning to be twisted or bound with. In other words, I need to be wrapped up, tied up, twisted up, bound up in Jesus all the way, which means worship, praising, ministering. It involves serving. It involves everything with your life, your entire being. What do you mean? That means your time, your talent, your treasure. I'm still going to do it. I'm not tapping out on any of them. No, 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 no give up in me. See, tonight we got to make up our mind that in spite of frustration, that we're going to be who God's called us to be and know our placement. We're not going to worry about the delay or 
the longer tormenting times that it seems like it's been. But we're going to begin to expect God to resolve the situation. I believe they didn't give up in Ezra because they was expecting God's presence just to show up. And his weight, the glory, in the Hebrew, the kabod, the weight of God was going to rest upon the people. And, and there's times when I'm frustrated, I'm like, God, I'm going to keep praying though I don't feel you. I'm going to keep praising though I don't feel you. I, I'm going to keep doing what is right though I don't feel everything I need to feel but eventually as I keep pushing it is the weight and the glory of God that begins to rest upon me and my frustration is released and gone you know I'm reminded of even Moses when he's coming down from the mountain the people gathered into Aaron and made gods they're like hey Moses when's he coming back you know while he's here we got his glory but he's been gone a long time so they talked Aaron in, letting us say, let us uh, build us some golden images here. Let's melt some of this gold we took out of Egypt. You know, what else are we going to do with all this gold? So they begin to build images, and Moses comes down. And out of their frustration, because God didn't show up when they thought, or Moses didn't come out of the mountain when they thought, they was frustrated and began to do something else other than keeping their focus upon God. Their hope was deferred. They were sick. They was anxious, possible depression, a lack of peace. And besides keeping their eyes upon God, they had their eyes upon a man by the name of Moses, and he's not here. And since he's not here, they begin to do things that was contrary to what God called them to. And even in that day, destruction happened and 2,000 of them died. That's why we have to guard our heart with all diligence because out of us flows the issues of life. We're going to have hate coming out. Or we're going to have praise coming out. We're going to have death coming out. Or we're going to have life coming out of our mouth. The next thing is this, is defeat and failure. How many of you has ever felt, and you knew you faced it, defeat and failure? You know, I can remember the first time my 13-year-old boy beat me at something. And he really beat me. It's not fun. He's competitive, probably more competitive than I ever was. He gets that from my brother. That's what I say. You and Uncle Chad's a lot alike in that way. Got to have fun. Got to have fun. But at this point, when you have frustration in your life, it can come from deep feet and failure. I can tell you from just a personal end that I have tried more things that's failed as a pastor than I have tried, and it be victorious. That is just life in many ways. See, at this point, that when defeat and failure is happening, and it may be on the job, it may be with a business, you may even feel that relationally today. You may feel that as a parent. Have you ever felt like parents that you failed at something with your kid? That's horrible. I'm like, man, I'm sorry I let you down. Told my son that one time. I know y'all's never done anything carnal in the flesh. I can remember, he was this, he's the littlest guy always out there. He's a little fella. Well, he's probably about 70 pounds right now, maybe, maybe. Yeah, I'd, say I'd give him more like a 67 pounds right now. But I can remember when he played football three or four years ago. Man, when the play was dead, this kid would just come through and just take him out, and the coach wouldn't see him. I'd be sitting on the sidelines. I'm like, flag. I know it's practice, but somebody see that. Well, finally, he seen that my son was getting mad, and the coach told him, he said, tomorrow you take him out. Because he went and told his frustration, I said, yeah, Ethan, you take him out. 
Y'all's never done that. Then right before practice that evening, I got convicted. I said, okay, hey, listen, I know what the coach told you. I know what I told you. I said, but we can't do, we can't do that. I said, the Holy Spirit's telling me, I said, I have failed you in saying just to go take him out. That evening, that kid out of nowhere came and apologized to my kid. His parents didn't even know about it. But if I said, hey, you know, you go take him out, I would have caused all Sometimes God's got things handled. See, a lot of times we think that failure and defeat means that we're missing everything, but sometimes that's just part of life. The Bible lets us know that a righteous person can fall seven times, but what makes them righteous is they keep getting back up. It's when you lay down and quit doing the right things and you quit worshiping and praising and giving God your best. That's when you have failed and defeat. That's what failure looks like, but when you keep getting up and though you fall down, but I keep getting back up, that's called God's grace and divine enablement working in your life allowing you to keep getting back up the Bible says many are the afflictions of the righteous but the Lord delivers him from them all the third thing tonight is this when security is removed now this is one that hits me how many of y'all like security it's me I will plan my life around to be secure that in fact that makes me secure the the better my calendar and the more bullet points is that's in it the more secure I feel. When you're shooting from the hip, not John Wayne or something, I can't fly with that. I married a lady that shoots from the hip, and she likes it. And she knows it drives me crazy. She says, just get over it. It's vacation. You can't plan vacation. I'm like, you do plan vacation. You can do that. At 4 o'clock, we go in. We get ready. We go eat. But we're enjoying it. We know, I said, no, we, we got to go in and go in. You know. Anyways, she wins that one. Now, have you ever been around someone that shoots from the hip and you're a planner? Doesn't it drive you nuts? And then you all that shoot from the hip, you don't like the planner? You're like, man, they're planning everything. This is kind of like, this is no longer fun. They took all the fun out. For me, fun is planning. Planning to have fun. But to me, that's security. And there's certain things that all of us are security. Some of you, it is a relationship. Some of you, it's money. Some of you, it is a spouse, it's a friend. There's something that is secure to you. And when you find out what that thing is, when it goes missing or it's acting up or it's just not perfect, then frustration sits in your life. See, this began to happen with Saul in the story of the Bible. We see that Saul all of a sudden decided one day he was going to change the whole thing that God was going to do. And, and then God said, listen, your kingdom's been removed. I've got me a man after my own heart. He said, I'm calling David. And Saul, of course, you know, he brings David really close to his life and realizes that, hey, when this guy's around and plays music, I feel good. But then all of a sudden, David would go to battle. He'd go to battle, and Saul would have a 1,000 people he's killing. They were singing, David though David kills 10,000. Saul got really jealous. He said, uh-oh, I need to take this guy out because my security in having the kingdom is as long as he is out of this thing, then I got security in the kingdom. So out of frustration, he began to do wrong things in his life. But Saul, he even admitted that he messed up. He would ask the elders to help him. He said, oh, he said, honor me now. I know it's not right. Just honor me now. 
Because when security is taken out, and we don't place our security in God, but we place our security in the spouse, and we place our security in a kid, or we live our life through a kid, or we place our security in our education, and when it's been ripped out, then frustration begins to come. You know, I can be, and if my, me and my wife do all kinds of like marriage things, but one thing that we discuss a lot, and we stole this from Jimmy Evans. Does anybody know who Jimmy Evans is? Pretty, pretty cool fella, and really good on marriage. But he said one thing about this. He said, you know, I am a good Jimmy, but I'm not a good Jesus. And a lot of people in relationship try to get out of somebody only what God can give them. They're good for the relationship, but they're not a good Jesus. So your kid cannot be that fulfillment for you. Your job and money and relationships and fame and importance in life cannot be that. So when it's ripped out, then we're like, man, have I been leaning so much on that that I have made that my security? Well, my security is supposed to be Jesus in my life and focusing everything on him. But when we make it other people, and when something becomes frustrated or wrong or not perfect, and we realize we cannot gain something from them that we're looking for relationally, it causes frustration. But when we place all of our hope, all our love, and all our security in Christ, then that changes that moment of frustration. Last thing tonight, tempting to do things that only God can do by your own strength. See, this is a wide-open door for frustration. There are things that God gives us, a divine enablement to do things. I call it our grace level. You probably heard Pastor Chad talk about this before. But our grace level is where God's called us. It's that place of blessing. As long as we're in our grace level, we're cool, we're good. But the moment we start going outside of the calling or the blessing that God has of our grace level, then we become miserable people and frustrated. In other words, here's a good example. If I would begin to sing right now, you would just clear the house. I do not have a grace level to sing. But when you step out of your grace level, you make things a lot harder in your life and frustrating. Jesus was to say things like, it's my yoke is easy and my burden is light. We see even Zachariah, he was telling us it's not by power. It's not by might nor power, but he used to say things like, it's by my spirit. There are certain things that we have to understand that's outside of that grace level. Maybe you're trying to fix something that only God can fix tonight and you don't even realize you're doing it. I heard a preacher tell me this one time. He said, listen, if you're really frustrated in ministry, it's before I ever pastored, I never forgot it. He said, and you are trying to determine if it's your emotions or the spirit of God in your life. He said, put it on the back burner for about three or four weeks without doing anything. He said, and pray over it. If that emotion is gone, it's no longer there, and you don't feel the throb of the spirit in your life, he said, then you know that was just an emotion. I said, that's really good advice. Many times we don't wait upon God. But we get in a hurry and we begin to try to do things in the natural that can only be done by the supernatural. I thought that surgery 18 months ago was going to change my life. I went and had the surgery, done everything the doctor told me to do. Me and my wife done a lot of, like, disagreeing in that time. And we are very transparent people, but I'm on this knee scooter, okay? There's no church in-person service. No one knows I've had this surgery. I'm on a knee scooter getting up. They thought I was being cool during a pandemic, 
because I was at a table preaching. And they're like, man, that's really cool, man. It's really intimate. I'm like, I don't have a choice. I'm on the phone. don't have a choice, man. Can't put no weight on this thing for six weeks. After doing everything they told me to do, six weeks, no weight on it. Four weeks with a boot. Two weeks with a special shoe. Only putting so many steps on it, all that. Go back, have an x-ray. He said, it's all messed up, man. Doctor said, it's all messed up. I thought, man, I'm doing everything in my own power to make this thing work. The doctor is a good friend of mine that done the surgery. And I said, Doc, I've done everything. I mean, I'm talking about, like, the metal plates. Because they had to put in bone grafts, and the metal plates had came loose, and there were screws just floating around my foot. I'm like, I haven't done anything. But my wife wouldn't let me. She's overseeing my life like Jesus does. And she'd tell you, because I don't like to sit still. I like to be busy. I like to work. I like to, I like to go. And I get, you know, I just get that from my, my from my mom and dad. But I like to go. I like to, and it's hard for me to sit still and relax. But once I relax, I'm cool. But I thought all that would fix it. And I'd done everything I could do as a man so I can run again. I can do all that. Went to the doc, and he looked at my foot and said, it's off, man. So I had like 72 hours. I went on a pure fast, and I began to pray. I said, God, you got to change it. I wept. Never been in that kind of pain. I'm a high tolerance pain. I'm like, hit me three times in the face, I'm cool. Never cried because of pain. This thing right here had me on the brink of pain. He told me how painful it was going to be, and I don't do pain medicine well. I don't do that. I just, I'm not doing those things. So I, would, I had to take those that I thought I would never take. And I'm like, Doc, how many days I got that I have to give this up? Because I did. I was like, man, I've seen people get addicted to this stuff. I didn't get addicted to it, nothing like that. Got off of it after 36 hours. But so much pain and so much misery. But that, after that 72 hours, went for an x-ray. I went into a friend that was doing the x-ray. I, I passed her in a small town, Logan, but I'm on the board of directors at Logan Regional Hospital, so I know all the employees. And I went into this small little building, probably not even a half a mile from my house. And I go in there, I'm like, listen, I have prayed over this foot. Do this x-ray right. Don't do anything, but... I need to be healed. She comes to the church, and she said, Pastor, I'm praying. I'm praying for you. So I, I, I done that. That evening, he calls me. He said, man, listen, your foot that I thought I was going to have to redo the surgery, break two more times, he said, God healed that and changed that. Okay? You're like, why are you saying that? Why are you sharing? Because I thought if I'd done everything right and done the rules of the land, that I'd be okay. This year was the first time in my life I ever had anxiety. First time. I woke up on a Sunday morning. I didn't have a panic attack. I'm a counselor. I see people talking about panic attacks. I can describe it to you, and I've read about it. I've studied it. I didn't have a panic attack, but, man, I was having high anxiety. My heart was racing. My mind was gone. Couldn't lay down. So on Sunday morning, I said, man, I'm going on a three-day fast tomorrow. I looked at Kristen that morning, woke her up and said, hey, pray for me today. I'm having extreme anxiety. I've never had it today in my life. I think it's what this is. The next day, it's Monday morning, about half that, same thing, waking up. Had nothing to be anxious over. Don't even know why I was having anxiety. Just been busy. I looked at it all. I asked myself all the questions I'd ask a client if they was before me. But I went on a three-day fast. It ended. 
something that I would have tried to fix normally. But God spoke to me that day and said, listen, it's not something you can fix on your own. This time I want you to lean on me. Now, I'm not telling you not to be on a medication. I'm not saying that at all because I recommend those things. But there is a time that God was saying, lean on me. That was hard for me to do because I am a fixer. And I can be in control, and I can take it. But there's sometimes we got to let go of the things that we've been gripping so long. See, faith is letting go. And walking out into the deep and say, God, I can't do it no more. This frustration, this pain, this issue, I'm not packing it no more. This is, your, this is yours, God. I, I will walk on the water with you. I will walk to you. See, frustration kills so many things. Got minister friends that their marriage is ending and they pastor churches because of frustration. I got friends, lifelong friends, just in the last three weeks, call me and the craziest things is happening in their marriage. You know, I'm reminded also to the beginning of Scripture when you read about the children of Israel when they was in the bondage, that, the, that Pharaoh told the foremans, take away the straw as these people are making bricks. It was already so hard, and the foreman even cried out for the people and the children of God and said, why would you take away? It's already so hard. Why would you take away something else? They can't even get their job done now. He said, why do you deal with your servants this way? That's how we feel when frustration comes. Today, there are needs in your life that are too great for you to meet. I can go on all day about my family and tell you things that God's healed, but it wasn't until we completely gave it over to him. Will you stand with me tonight? See, frustration enters when you hunger for success or advancement, and you're constantly met with something that's unfulfilled. I want to release you to come to this altar tonight. I, I know the prayer team's going to be with you, but I'm going to come down, and I'm going to pray with you tonight. I'll spend as much time here because I believe there's an anointing in this house tonight for healing. Healing of the soul, the mind, will, and the emotions. Healing in the body. Healing of relationships. Healing of things or breakthrough with things that cannot be fixed by you or anyone else but only by God. Tonight, that's going to release in this house. If this has spoke to you in any form, any way tonight, you say, this is my night, frustration's gone, it's a game changer. This tonight's a game changer. I'm glad I came the first Wednesday. Then you know this frustration is to be released off your life. I want you to step out from where you're sitting, and I want you to come forth right now. Come on. God's got this tonight. I'll wait for you to come and then I'm going to come down and I'm going to begin to pray with you. You that's on the prayer team, if you want to come down and help tonight, that would be great as well. Tonight, this is what we're doing. We're going to let go. And as we let go, God is going to release breakthrough, healing, and deliverance in your life. Do you believe that tonight? All right. Worship team, come on out. Let's get to praying tonight. You that didn't come, I want you to pray for these. I just want you to worship. Let's set an atmosphere in this house tonight.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Bethesda Church Podcast. If you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so by visiting bethesdachurch.tv slash give. We will catch you on the next episode.